thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up for a Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. Here we are, up for a chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Karen Smith. I'm Kim Morrison. And I'm Cindy O'Meara. And welcome to today's podcast, where we're talking all things charities. See, now, our gorgeous little friend over here, little Miss Cindy O'Meara, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago came storming into the office ready to rant and rave about something that she'd seen on the front page of a um, newspaper. And it was all about charities, where the money goes, how successful they are, whether they're legitimate or not. Um, And there were lots and lots of question marks about the charities. And Cindy had steam coming out of her ears. (laughs) So we promised that we would bring you a podcast about charities so that Cindy could get this off her chest No, uh, what was it? Hell hath no fury like a Cindy Stormy. (laughs) (laughs) So, my love, on that note, I shall um, let you start us off on what you found, what you discovered. Look at it, the sting. Here it comes. Oh my God, the forehead's gone red. Do you know what? My heart's gone red. But my heart's beating really hard at the moment (gasps) because. From that, so much happened after that. And, like, I am. My heart is beating so hard at the moment because what happened was that I had seen that um, a a health charity, so a charity that's trying to find a cure for type 1 diabetes, which is the uh, Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation, was selling um, jelly babies, which type 1 diabetics take if they have a hypo, But they're selling their jelly babies in order to make money. They do it every May and they sell it to the public and they sell it to schools and communities and and also to corporations in order to make money for them to find a cure for type 1 diabetes. So I asked a question on Facebook and the the question went like this. It says, um, I'll just read it. Um, So Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation have just finished their annual fundraising campaign using the sale of jelly babies with the following ingredients. Glucose, sugar, water, thickener, 1400, made from wheat, food acid 330, 331, humectant 422, gelatin, flavours, colours. You'd think I'd finish there, wouldn't you? But no, it keeps going. But wait, there's more. Wait, there's more. Colours 102, 133, 110, 122, wheat start, vegetable oil, glazing agent 903, preservative 220, and may contain sulfates. So my question was this. Sounds healthy. Sounds really healthy, doesn't it? Oh, you know what? I feel sick about that. Mm. Well, so then I asked this question. I said, do you think that a charity should sell this product to make money in order to find a cure for type 1 diabetes? And can you think of something else that they could use in order to raise funds? We need to put our thinking hats on and help them with their cause. Mm -hmm. That was the question. So I, I left it and I didn't really think, too much about it. I thought that was a fair enough question and that people might come up with some really good ideas and we could send it to JDRF. That was my thoughts. But? Well, the next morning I woke up and um, I went into work and I was just doing my usual thing and one of my um, nutrition students rang, uh, rang me from the front office and she said, are you having a look what's happening on Facebook? And I went, no, I haven't looked yet. And she said, take a look. So I went on and I was abused by who? By JDRF members. <gasps> Absolutely abused by them. First of all, they said, you, are you so ignorant that you know nothing about the difference between type 1 and type 2 diabetics? Now... You didn't even, re- you didn't even mention that. Well, I, I, I'm glad you're saying that because I looked at it and I went, holy jeez, what did I say? I really thought, well, did I say something that made them think that? So I, you should have seen the abuse. 397 comments. Oh, wow. Later... Um, it was all over JDRF's um, website or on there, you know, that that it's terrible that people don't know the difference between one and two. That wasn't my question. That's not the no. question. You're that wasn't my question. You're disgusting ingredients in the jelly babies mm-hmm. that they're selling to make money mm. in order to find a cure mm-hmm. for a major health issue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I actually just kind of stopped mm. because I could have retaliated. And I decided that it wasn't worth retaliating, that they had a lynch mob going 
And no matter what I said, I would never have been right. Never. Mm. So I just decided to let them go. I watched some of my beautiful members in there fighting for me and they just slaughtered them, absolutely slaughtered them. And so I actually went quietly to some of my members and said, just let it be. Just let them go on and on and on about what they're going, you know, doing. So, well, um, so Cindy, can I just clarify? Yeah. Were they justifying that those ingredients were acceptable ingredients to sell? Mm-hmm. That were they justifying that they were a healthy option? They were saying that. See, see, type one diabetics, if they are not. Um, regulating their sugar well mm. will have lows. They'll put too much insulin in, yeah. you know, they'll inject yeah. too much insulin, they'll have lows, yeah. and they have to bring the sugar up really fast because it's dangerous. Yeah. And we know that, it's mm. dangerous. So they use jelly babies. Now, um, JDRS started this about 15 years ago, and it was the result of mothers saying, well, this is what saves our children, why don't we sell this to the public? But we're a little bit smarter than 15 years ago, mm. and we actually know what these ingredients do. And I actually, before I even asked this question, I decided that I would write a whole thing about it. So I would write what each ingredient was, what each of them did to the body, how they've been banned around the world, and I did a whole article on it. And then, um, but with all the, the stuff that was going on, I thought, well, I'm not going to be... I'm not going to do anything about this. I, I'm just going to let them have their say, let them do what they want um, and write and put the article out later, which I will. I will put the article out later. The thing is, is that what they, they were all, they're all living in a different paradigm to where I live. So my, they, they're saying, you know, basically type one's got nothing to do with what you eat. It's not about being fat. And, and that's true. It's an autoimmune disease, and we've, we know that. Um, type 2 is about lifestyle. But they, they both um, are similar in that you've got to regulate your sugar. Yeah. Type 1 are usually have lost all their beta cells on the pancreas, so they can't produce insulin at all, whereas usually type 2, they've just become insulin resistant and the body's just not listening anymore to the insulin that they're producing and their sugar goes up. Are both of them curable? Well, type... Type 2 can be cured. We've seen yeah. that. Type 1, if you've lost all your beta cells, there's no hope. You can't be cured. You're going to have to be given insulin for the rest of your life. life. Yeah. There are some people that still have a percentage of their beta cells left um, and they're able to really bring their need for insulin down once they learn, you know, the whole thing. What was interesting is I actually rang JDRF before I put this up to ask them did they believe that it was okay and was this ethical. And the marketing girl, it was a marketing girl, she was very knowledgeable um, and she was really good about everything that we were saying. And then basically what happened was um, I just said, look, I would really like to ask the public what they think. But before I said that, she said, well, actually, you're not the first that has actually complained about these. So there are other people that think like I think. And, yes, they've got to make money and, yes, we're looking for a cure. But why don't we look... We actually know so much more about autoimmune diseases now. We actually know what is happening with autoimmune diseases. And it's many things. It's not just one. There are many things that we need to look at. The thing is, is that we're always looking for a cure. Why aren't we looking at what's causing the doubling of type 1 diabetes in amongst our children in the last decade? What has, what has caused this? I think that that's more of a thing to do. But anyway, JDRF don't do that. But JDRF put their little symbol on, um, like at Kentucky Fried Chicken, to sell Pepsi or Coke will give you a percentage. If you buy the big Coke, we'll give you a percentage of money to JDRF. It just seems so hypocritical. Well, that's what I felt. I felt it, it, it was very hypocritical, and that's why I posted, because I felt that, okay, May is over, they've made their money, it's the finish of the drive, they've now got 11 months to find a new one a new one that is not going to affect the public. Mm. You know, like, if I was... um, I can just go to my Word document that I was actually um, talking about it. And I go for three pages on the ingredients and where they've been actually banned around the world because they cause hyperactivity in children. Now, Mm. we're giving this to children. Now, when you go on the website, it says to schools. But when I spoke to the marketing department, they actually said... Well, it's not to schools, it's actually to corporates. But I didn't see corporate on their website. She said, we actually don't do it to schools. But 
it's still affecting everybody's health. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And what's really interesting is that we do know that autoimmune diseases um, have a trigger. And some are food-related, some are virus-related, some are as a result of chemicals, some are, you know, like we actually know when the body loses its ability to know self from, from non-self um, that there is something going on there. And one of the things that we do know with 199 now, I, I believe we're up to 199, we know that 199 diseases are now affected by gluten. Type 1 diabetes, I'm sorry, I haven't done the research, I don't know. But what gets me is that these jelly babies, glucose is made from wheat, thickener, which is 1400, is made from wheat. We've got wheat starch in there. So we've got definitely three things have got wheat in it that cause other immune diseases or autoimmune diseases to perpetuate. So we might help ourselves with with uh, diabetes, but we but might what about end up the rest? with some other autoimmune illness. Yeah. So, so when you said that to them, did they not hear that or do they not think of that? Because I'm only thinking about it from a superficial point of view, and that is how do you get kids to buy things? You do a chocolate drive or a lolly mm. drive? Mm. To me, like I feel like they've got that hat on. How do we sell it in the best way possible? What I mean, kids, all, what kid does not look at a lolly and want a lolly? Or a chocolate bar, right? But are you saying that we could actually create a whole... Why do charities not take an initiative on this and actually create a whole new drive around not only selling and doing, but education as well? Well, they actually say that this is educational. On their website, they actually say that it's an fun and educational... um, To bring awareness. To bring awareness to type one. Don't you think, though, don't you think, though, that... All charities have a, have a responsibility to the community to provide the community with incentives to fund them. And in this case, they're using jelly babies. That's mm-hmm. the incentive. But don't they have a responsibility that they're going to provide an incentive to the, the community to give them money, that that incentive... Um, I mean, it just seems like such common sense to me. I'm, I'm, I'm finding I'm at a loss for words. But it's that, like, isn't it their responsibility to if they're gonna if it's gonna be food based? Isn't their their responsibility to make sure that the food based incentive enhances the quality of life rather than perpetuating the problem? But it's almost like I mean, just, it, it, to me, it's like selling palm oil to raise money for orangutans, or selling exactly cigarettes like to raise money for, for asbestosis cancer. or lung cancer. So I mean, but. I, <laughs> So is it, I mean, I don't know. We're all scratching our heads. We are just... Because, I mean, don't you think that's their responsibility to do Mm -hmm. that? If you set up a charity and you want to go out and get people to fund it, you've got to fund it with a product that's going to enhance the quality of life directly related to the issue you're trying to resolve. What would you think would be a good thing to sell for a type 1 or for diabetes awareness? What would you think? Oh, well, why not get a, a more decent jelly baby then? Let's get one that hasn't got that many colours in it that have been banned around the world. Let's get one without artificial flavourings well, in I'm it. Well, I'm now back in the boardroom and they're going, that costs too much. Up the price of the jelly, baby. Maybe. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, maybe I, another dollar, you know, $2. I don't know how much it was a bag. $2 a bag, let's run, go $3 a look, bag. Look, when my daughter, and I know it's not a charity, it was a fundraiser, but part of the fundraiser for her dancing was we sold chocolates. And I'm doing a whole thing that... That chocolate is a junk food. Why would I want to give an athlete chocolate? Mm. So I had the whole thing. I know it's not a charity, but, you know, similar mm. thing. Well, it is. We're trying to make money in order to Support fund girls to, to go and do dance. something. Yeah. So I didn't do it. I actually gave 20 I would rather they ask for a $22 donation mm. that would go into that and not have the chocolate sitting in my house because I had 38 bars of chocolate sitting in my house, which guess where they all went? I just chucked them in the bin. Mm. I couldn't, I, because I felt bad selling them to anyone else. <laughs> I couldn't sell them. Yeah. So I said to the kids, take all well, $48 I had to give it back for them. But it was just like, why can't we give them... My thought for the dancing thing was, and, and my daughter started it last night, she came home from dancing last night, and I know I'm a little bit off tangent, but I'm just trying to think laterally with this. She goes, Mum, all the girls want to know what I had in my dinner tonight. You made a chicken curry, I had the chocolate slice... Um, they love my Luigi biscuits that you make in the Thermomix, but yours aren't the way you make them in the Thermomix, so we want that recipe, and they want the smoothie recipe. Because that's what she went to school to, to dancing with. And I went, oh, okay. So we drew up all four recipes. She's made them all pretty, 
and she handed them out and she put a big copyright at the bottom of them. Yeah. <laughs> but they were our recipe. Like, I didn't even know what I put in some of these recipes, but we made them and I thought... Yes, we know. Well, sorry, yeah, I do know. <laughs> but as in, I don't know what yeah. the recipe is. Yeah. But I thought... And I looked at her and I went, this would be a great fundraiser. Like, do a recipe book well, for do dancing. You know, you know oh, our no. school did that? Our school did an amazing cookbook. They got all the mums. Yes, I bought one. Yeah, they yeah. did all the mums. It's been one of the best fundraisers yeah. is this cookbook. So if they had people in their marketing departments that were a little bit more creative and a little bit more socially conscious of the health implications of the products that they were selling, certainly they'd be able to come up with options. I mean, we've just, or you girls have just come up with something mm. in like 10 seconds flat. Mm. Well, the marketing department actually got very cross with me, this lady at the marketing department, and she said to me, what's the difference between us selling the Jelly Babies and another shop selling them because they're in support of the cure and health oh, for goodness sake thank you i'm like thinking all am right I am i the only one that's thinking this way shut the front door are you, are you kidding me i'm not we are the foundation that is all about the health and the cure yet we are going to provide the community with no, stop it. They didn't say that to you. They did say that to me. No, you're lying. And so I got off the phone. I got off the phone and I went, all right, why don't I help? This is what my thoughts of course, were. It makes Why don't sense. I help JDRF? Why don't I ask the question? Yeah. First of all, say, this is what they're selling. Let's ask the question, what have you come up with? One girl, one beautiful girl who obviously is thinking outside the square and actually it sounds like either she was a type 1 diabetic or her daughter was, mm. actually said, well, this is what I give in a hypo. I give dates and I give um, something else. Now, I'm not giving any medical advice here, okay? I'm just giving you what this lady said. This is what she does. And JDRF um, members just stormed her and said, dates aren't good enough. They're not going to help in an emergency situation. I can't, and like, But that's not... What we were asking, we were asking not for the emergency situation of a type 1, we were asking for, well, what's a good idea? And she said, well, why don't we sell dates? You know, I just thought... What, what, or why don't were... they sell a recipe? Yeah. So that then the parents yeah. can always have a little something made up at home. Absolutely. I was going to say, made if, I, if from my child had that condition, I would always have that on hand. Or what, whatever the emergency they're going to need. But they, they vilified in me in many ways in that they said that I knew nothing about type 1 and type 2 diabetes. How they figured that out, I'll never know. I told them to download my, my report on diabetes, which is about 30 pages, and they came back and were pissed off because I charge for it. <laughs> oh, so, so they can make money out of something that's going to create more health issues, yeah. but you can't make money out of creating an answer or an inquiry into mm-hmm. those issues. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, a, it's a cheap report. Like, it's a couple of dollars. That's all they had to pay for it. But, geez, I put... 16 weeks of work into that mm. in research and and looking at it and writing it and getting everything organised for it. So, of course, I'm going to ask for a little bit of compensation. And, uh, you know, and it's, your, and, and, and it's, it's your my business. business. It's, it's your business. It's my business. Education is your business. Yeah. So, but the, the thing is that um, the, the, whole, the whole thing was that... Um, they really, they really just vilified the whole time. They didn't. They weren't looking for something else. So they go on defensive, you know. Very defense, mm-hmm. and they're, they're people that are living like this. You can eat anything you want. Just make sure your insulin, you've got your insulin on you, and you manage your highs and lows. Whereas there is another group of people who have nothing to do with JDRF. Don't don't appreciate. Um, exactly how they're teaching type 1s to keep their blood level. And I actually said to the marketing department, I said, well, you know, there's a really good doctor in America, Dr. Um, Gabriel Cousins, and he's got the tree of life. And, she's, and she, she was quiet for a while and she just said to me, well, well you know, that's, that's dangerous. That's just dangerous. And I said, oh, you're familiar with his work then? She said, no. So by just the name, the tree of life, she had made the decision that it was dangerous what he was doing. Oh, really? Yeah. This, and this is, this is what I, I just kind of went, do you not want to look outside the square you're in? Do you not want to see that there are people out there with type 1 who are keeping their levels very even and not having hypos and hypers, like highs and lows, mm. but keeping very 
um, even by doing certain diets. And, you know, it, it, it could be a raw food diet. It could be a paleo diet. It could be not eating carbs. It could be, it depends on the individual, what works for the individual. But they weren't even wanting to listen to that. And there were other people making suggestions on how they manage, you know. And there's a beautiful, like my cousin's type 1 diabetic, you know, they're saying, one of them wished me to have type 1 diabetes. Oh, for goodness sake. Yeah. Wow. And and I just, I like, this is why my heart's beating so hard, mm. is that how could you be so misinterpreted in that way? And, and, and like, this was just before my health retreat. And then I'm being told off for not moderating it. Now, I'm about three days, I've got a three-day health retreat to give. I'm the, I'm the sole speaker. Kim came and spoke for an hour, which was wonderful. <laughs> Gave me a bit of a breather. But, you know, and it was like you didn't modify, you know, moderate it. Well, what do you want me to do? Why Go into the shitstorm? Yeah. Go into the shitstorm? And like it was, it was just, you know, and I really have my bee in a bonnet about charities now. Like, really got my bee in a bonnet. Like, so, the Cancer Foundation. Okay, I was going to say. The biggest it, morning tea. Yeah, yeah. Well, can I just, can I just. <laughs> she's banging her head on She's the under desk. the table. She's gone. She's gone. <laughs> Bring her back. You know, I just. Oh, I'm going to breathe. I'm just sitting here listening Oils. to what you're saying. I'm just sitting. I've, I've, I've got a mirror. That's Thanks. all I've got. Sorry, that's all I can give. I think I need lavender at the moment. <laughs> there you go. Breathe in deep. Put your fingers together. Um. <laughs> See how I've just been so upset by this. Oh, I don't blame you, though. And rightly so. But, you know, Cindy, just to give you... Oh, she's sucking it in now. <laughs> she's snorting. She's, she's actually got it ones. on the table and she's doing a line. <laughs> she's doing a line of immune boost. <laughs> But, you know, when you think about any organisation, here's the thing. Okay. When you think about any organisation and even that marketing girl that you spoke to, they're just people. And they're just people who get up in the morning and they go to work and they collect a salary and then they go home and then they have their home and then they go to work the next morning and they collect a salary and then they go home. For anybody to take an initiative like you do puts that whole organisation at risk. And puts everything that they have entrusted mm-hmm. at risk. But at each level, they're just employees. They're people who have come in, taken on a job because they've got marketing skills. They just happen to be doing it for JDRF. Or they've got accounting skills. Or they've got managerial skills. And they just happen to be doing it for that charitable organisation. I would lay money on it that there are very few people that are cast from the same stone that you are and I think that we are, mm-hmm. that would be prepared to go out on a limb and instrument cha- and, and implement change. Most people that you'll speak to over the phone are just people who are part of an organisation collecting a salary and their, uh, in, in their ability to um, instigate that kind of change just doesn't exist, not, not only because they don't want to, they don't know how to, and the risk that it would cause for that organisation is mm. insurmountable, which would then have that whole organisation fall on its face and it would be all that marketing girl's fault because she decided to initiate a new investigation, which then would have all of the community up in arms questioning, why are you going outside the jelly babies? Didn't were the jelly babies any good? And look how much money we've made from the jelly babies. That's, that's what right. they would be looking at. Um, well, if if, Karen... well, even, even if they do make money, because that's the next question. Because those jelly babies might cost them $2.50 a bag and they sell them for $3. So are they even making money from the jelly babies or are they just using the jelly babies for awareness? Because, you know, like there's a lot of questions around that with other charities that I've been involved with where they sell blankets and they sell toys and really expensive stuff. And, of course, I just go nuts for this particular charity. And I, I, give, I would sell my house, you know. So I go nuts for this particular charity. But I, know, I also know for a fact that very little of that money actually makes it to the, uh, the front line. So what's the purpose of it? Well, what's interesting what, by what you said was that, um, you know, what does go to the front line? So mm. um, I've started to read um, just some interesting articles about um, type 1 diabetes. Like, I, you know, I, I've done this for the last 30 years mm. um, about diabetes and listen to people and how they manage theirs um, differently. But what was interesting is that I was sent this article and it had been partly funded by JDRF. And it was basically saying that prophylactically what we can do, and prophylactically meaning taken on a daily basis, we can actually give medium-chain fatty acids, which is coconut oil, mm-hmm. 
We can give coconut oil on a daily basis, which will help with any brain cognitive dangers that happen during a hypo. Wow. Yeah. And so, you know, like... Here so we, they do know. Well, yes, but nobody's talking about it. They're just talking about, I need my lolly. Imagine Although my kid's going to be dead. Imagine saying we're not selling coconut oil. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Your, your coconut oil. My coconut oil, yeah. yeah. Oh, but hang on, you're making money from that. That's right. Oh, of yeah, course. No, oh, and that's, that's what someone did say. They just went, you, I can't remember. You should have seen the abuse. It was like, I've never in my life but you know, seen anything like it. Cindy, it'll always be people like you who will stand at the forefront of change. And take it. <laughs> you <laughs> took one for the team. I'm proud of you. But without you... I'll be in the background going, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> what she said. But without you, there's no inspiration for people to look for alternatives. Mm. They just stay in this mindset of following like sheep. Without you, there's no inspiration to ch- for change. And everybody who's been a pioneer in our lifetime mm. and in lifetimes and generations gone before and after us... Everybody who chooses to be a pioneer always stands at the forefront of the arrows and the daggers and the bullets because people are so frightened Mm. of creating change. They're so frightened of being the initiator. And then there's you. Are they frightened of being the initiator or frightened of failing with an initiation? Oh, God, I think it's all. Mm. I think they're frightened of failing. I think they're frightened of taking a step just in case... You know, like you said, like I'm wrong. What if I'm wrong? It's going to have, you know, everybody's going to be up in arms at me. I'd rather them be up in arms at Cindy. Let her take the flag. But then secretly we'll probably take what she said and we'll go and do our own investigations and see if it's true or not. Mm. Which, which is hopefully they will do that. Yeah. Because a lot of them, you know, they are in a frightening situation. Mm. You know, if they do not have control of their blood sugar, they can die, you know, mm. go into a coma and die. And it's, I've watched my very good friend whose son has fallen and she's screaming in a hotel for um, orange juice, screaming. And she is, like, beside herself because it can mean death. So I get where these guys are. It's frightening. Mm. But I also have looked at um, people with type 1 diabetes who have taken on a different aspect and not gone for the lollies and, and not eaten just anything and then just regulated everything with their insulin. They've actually taken the challenge on and said, I'm going to keep my sugar levels nice and even and I know this is the way it works for me because I've been educated by probably Dr. Gabriel Cousins, um, perhaps they've done reading, perhaps they've learned about the prophylactic coconut oil that they should take every single day in order to, to not have any cognitive dysfunction or, you know, um, death of the brain. You know, like it's, it is about looking outside the, the medical realm, you know, mm. like that book that I was talking to you guys about before we started, mm. you know, it's upstream, upstream, upstream doctors, medicine. you know, the upstream doctors. It's like, let's, we've got to be looking at our environment, our social, our, our food, um, not just looking at our medication to control everything because that's not where we're going to go. Like, you know, I was listening to this, um, audio today, um, and I, and I, I'm listening to it and I'm thinking, what have we done? Mm. I was nearly in tears thinking, what have we done? We have destroyed people's health. People, autoimmune diseases are just beyond comprehension as to their, they're just flying up the scale in stats. People have um, Hashimoto's, you know, and they don't know what to do anymore. They can go on a really good diet and they're still not being helped because we have created such a sick environment. Our children have started their life badly. They're so far um, beyond being healthy. It's not going to happen for them. What have we done? You know? And then here I here I, I look at these charities. I look at the Pink Ribbon or um, I, I look at um, the Cancer Foundation and they're having morning teas. Mm. You know, morning teas that perpetuate shit food um, about making money. Um or pink. I remember seeing a pink when I was in the US. I saw a pink Kentucky Fried Chicken box. You know, you can buy like a family box of, and and half money will go to the, the pink ribbon. Such an oxymoron. Oh, it's it's so, a challenge, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's a challenge because you, you, like they make pink bread on Pink Ribbon Day. Pink or, Tim or Tams. Pink Tim pink Tams. Tams. And pink um, all those hundreds and thousands. They make them all pink. Those mm. sugar things. Um, wow. So, so, so how does this change? How do we create a society to think differently if people aren't willing to even have the conversation? You weren't attacking anybody on that. I don't think so. 
but you were simply asking a question. Are we that ignorant now that we have to become defensive in order to not have an open conversation? Is that the well, human mentality? Yeah, because we don't want to be wrong. And we but don't do we want, want to make everyone else wrong instead of having the well, open and thinking, wow, wow, no, I hadn't thought about it like that. That's the only way we can be right, is to make others wrong. There's no other way to be right other than to make somebody else wrong. Your way of saying it there, Kim, in that, you know, can't we just say, wow, I didn't think about that. That would be ideal and that would be optimal because that would be living in a society where wrong and right were irrelevant. There was just opportunity. <sighs> but we don't live in a society like that. We don't have relationships like that. We don't have life like that. We don't, unfortunately. So when a person... And, and, I, and I dare say somebody who's particularly suffering with a disease or an illness, they're going to be the person who is going to probably be most defensive. Or if they've lost, or, you know, if a family member has mm-hmm. lost somebody, mm-hmm. they're going to be even more particularly defensive because it's almost like we want to defend that we're doing the best thing for ourselves. And we don't want somebody to come along and tell us we're wrong and therefore don't know and haven't researched and we're not smart enough. Well, actually, it's funny you should say that. Last night I'm sitting at the having dinner with friends and people I hadn't met before and we're all having this lovely conversation and something came up about Angelina Jolie Mm. and I went oh my gosh can you believe it all of them went isn't she brave isn't she amazing and now I had no idea they all thought like that and they're all talking about it and I went oh really and they all looked at me and they went you don't think she's brave and I went oh my gosh I have the complete opposite thought to that I'm gobsmacked she did that and then they're sitting there and they're going, but she had the, 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 is it the, the, what's the gene? The, 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 the BR, it's the, the, um, BRAC gene. BRAC gene. But it's not exactly spelt like that, but it's BRAC1 and BRAC2. And but there's of, four other genes well, that they've I associated. Said, I said, what I know <laughs> in the limited information I have is that, to me, it's a bit like the meningococcal vaccination they have in New Zealand. I don't know what it's like here. But when the kids were all lining up and mine didn't do it, but they were standing there in the, the doctor or the, the nurse giving it, she said, this is only going to protect one strain of the known six. But I'm just, I'm just coming back to education around this. Are we trying to just do a blanket kind of, like a jelly bean's the quickest, easiest thing to sell, buy, mm. eat and drink, not drink, eat and chew, <laughs> um, as well, opposed yeah. to a, a conversation around education. But, but if you turned around to me as a charitable organisation and showed an emotional side with intelligence, awareness and education... I'd be handing over money. I'd want to contribute to that. When I see lollies and chocolate and pink breads and Tim Tams and everything, I'm thinking, that's not health. Mm -mm. That's not health. But you know... So we're thinking more around the money. Well, I think there's two sides to it, and I don't know. I think there's two sides to it. I think there's the person who has the issue. And the person who has the issue, whether it's being overweight or whether it's type 2 diabetes or cancer, it's the person who's got the issue... Their job is to educate themselves because they are the ones who these foundations are established on behalf of. They're the ones who have to, have to do the education and they're the ones who are going to have the greatest say and ability to make a change in these organisations because the organisations that get set up, their intention I'm sure is honourable. I would hate to think their intention was anything other than honourable. So hopefully their intentions are honourable, yet they are just as uneducated as the sufferer. So how can the foundation or the charitable organisation be the educator when they are just as uneducated? But it's a bit like the Skin Cancer Foundation. Yeah. If you look at the sunscreen campaign here and then you turn over the packet of anything that's got the oh, sunscreen cancer foundation on it, yeah. the ingredients in those are frightening mm. and had known carcinogenics. They're known endocrine disruptors. They are known toxic, toxins on the skin. And yet they're in there promoting safety for the sun. I, I had a friend of mine. Um, I had a friend of mine a couple of years ago who um, landed up with a cancer that was curable. Well, yeah, to the best part, that was curable. And she knew that. She, well, obviously, she found out that she had the cancer. Went into instant fear and you know being terrified. And started looking at the different foundations that were there to support her and make her feel like she could get through it. And what landed up happening was um, she didn't have to have any of the radiotherapy or the chemotherapy or any of that sort of stuff. She went on a, on a slightly different path. 
But through her education, she went on the other path because she realised that if she'd gone down the path of traditional cures for cancer and treatment for cancer, it was actually going to make it worse from what she what she discovered herself through her own research. So she chose a completely different path. Rightly or wrongly, it worked for her. Um, but I think that's a classic example of where the responsibility has to come back to because, you know, I think our foundations, it's just its just endemic of what the problem exists in society. It's mm. just it's just another area. Mm. You know, we've got all of our pharmaceutical companies, we've got all of our food manufacturers, we've got all... It's just another part of society... That just going doesn't down the rat hole. Freaking get it, really? I, and Cindy, you've gone remarkably quiet. No, I'm, I'm just. <laughs> no, I'm just really listening to what you're saying um, and being very contemplative about the whole charity thing. And and who do we? Who who do you then decide to give your money to if that's what you want to do? And Absolutely. and I think it's about starting to really. The only way we are going to make change. Um, is to not donate to these people who choose to use something like this, mm. this, this food, um, because I wouldn't buy it mm. because I would see it ethically wrong. I, yeah. I just couldn't buy it. So what I love to do is I look for a charity that I really believe in and that I believe that um, is ethical in everything that they're doing mm. and how they raise funds. And my father is so funny because don't ever be someone trying to get money for cancer <laughs> and have my father walk past you. Oh, really? What does he do? He just goes, they'll go, oh, would you like to give money for cancer? And he says, you're looking for a cure or prevention? <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. And they'll go, oh, we're looking for a cure. And he'll go, well, do you know that your group have discredited my profession and blah, 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 blah. And I feel sorry for them. <laughs> but it. you know what? He makes people think. Mm. Yeah, makes or they look at him and think, weirdo. weirdo. And they probably think that more than more anybody does. But it, I, I actually am, a, am really, really particular about who I give my money to. Mm. You know, I'm called ten times a night. I'm so popular. So popular. I thought it was just me. I thought it was just me. By, yeah, no, I'm popular. Ten times a night in that, we don't even answer our phone anymore. I don't. We stopped. No, it's either telemarketers or charitable organisations. Yeah, charitable organisations. And then they knock at your door. Yeah, yeah. So I've made some decisions about who I would like to to give my money to or my time to. Mm. And, you know, one of the the places I do give my time to um, is I give blood. And, oh, yeah, right. and I give blood for emergency situations and I give blood because my, you know, my mum and my sister needed a lot of blood, you know, when they were passing away. And um, I just feel I owe a debt to society to save somebody else's life with my blood. And I'm really happy to spend my time, give my blood. I don't get paid for it. Um, that's what I like to give as a community thing. Mm-hmm. I remember when the floods were in Brisbane, Howard and I went down for a day and just did what we could to help the people mm. um, down there. So this this is our time that we like to give. Mm. And then as far as money goes, I remember um, as a young girl, we actually um, gave money to a, a young lady or, you know, another young girl in Indonesia. I still mm. remember her name, Sakati Pato. Mm. I still remember Aww. her name. And I think we gave money to her from the age of like five to when she graduated from school. Um, and then I don't know what happened. I don't. Maybe we went off to university, my sister and I, and we didn't really think about it again. But like those are the things I really, really enjoy. Or um, orphanages, or um, like Bloom Hill, um, which is a local charity we have here. I'll give my time and talk about nutrition. I haven't done it for quite a while, but I like to do that. Uh, I also um, like like Cindy McKenzie. Like I knew Cindy McKenzie Foundation. You know, mm. Cindy McKenzie Foundation. I knew Cindy. I know her husband. I know their children, and they're about palliative care, about helping families who are going through um, breast cancer, and they're giving it to the the families to help them. So I'm happy to give my money to them. To Glenn McGrath, you know, that's about palliative care as well. But when it comes to where I'm giving my money to research and I don't agree with Mm. where the thread is going, I'm not prepared to give it anymore. It's very hard to know where the thread is going a lot of the time. I heard a young man speak. I don't know if you've heard him. He spoke here on the coast, would have been about a couple of years ago now, a young man, and he went to, um, I think it was some part of Africa, and 
he noticed these girls were being promised a new life. And he got to, he was in the village and he got very friendly, you know, with a number of them and helping them teach them to read. And he just, he, it was a young 22-year-old man. And he, um, he really took a shine to one of the young girls. She had a bit of spark about her, he said. And anyway, she was all excited because she'd been chosen to get this new life. And he was really excited for her. And then something didn't sit with him. And he went down to the river the next day where apparently she had gone on this boat and she's never been seen again. And what would happen with this charitable organisation, they would raise funds saying that it was to give these girls a new education, but in fact they became human traffickers. Oh, jeez. And he had no idea. He had no idea. But this freaked him out. And because of that, so he's like you, Cindy, he was a pioneer in it. So it was a charity he was involved in. He has tried everything he can to take this charity down. He has, I'm surprised he's still alive. But the whole thing is a front to actually, for these, these guys over there to human traffic these young girls. So I'm just asking you, how do we find out? I mean, he found out by being there and wondering where this gorgeous girl ended up. And he's still to this day. His, his whole mm-hmm. mission, he's created a new charity himself. He's only 24 now. And he has created a new charity where he is trying to find her mm. and at the same time try and help all these other girls. So maybe it's our responsibility, those of us listening to this podcast, that it's actually, maybe it's not the big wigs that we can go to and say, do you know what's going on here? But it's like you said, don't donate to these charities or find a different way to give time to those people that have those problems and things like that. I think education's massive, but it's it's scary to trust and mm. you know to ring these companies and they go oh yes yes and they've been practicing the script and they know the script and they believe it even sometimes you don't even know what's going on behind it or where does the money go how many charities get taken down because they're actually filtering the funds so that the the run the the, the people running the charity are getting very wealthy and the people that were meant to benefit from it are not this if you i only looked up on the website just before on the google Um, charities that go wrong. And in America, there is thousands of court cases against charitable organisations that have been set up either for athletes or for sick people or whatever. And that person's not seeing any of it. It's, It's going... Apparently, there's thousands of court cases. So do you know anything about setting up a charity or what you'd want to do as far as contributing to society? Have you got any thoughts around that? Well, I th- there's two ways, time and money. And I actually, um, and I know there's some national ones out there that would be worth giving to, but I actually say let's look at our own community and it's like everything we ever talk about. Let's fix it. Let's look at our own community and see how we can help in our own community mm. rather than trying to fix the bloody world. Mm. You know, and I, and I, I know we've, there's the orangutans and the palm oil and there's, there's Africa and there's, you know, there's so many causes out there. And I think sometimes you just have to say, what about the communities that we've got? What about our, um, our Aboriginals, you know? Mm. What about them and some of the things that they're going through and their health? And, I, like, I, I actually believe we should stick within our community because, you know, alone we have the Morecambe Foundation, you know, and that was set up as a result of Daniel Morecambe disappearing. Mm. And I would give to that charity every time mm. because what they're doing is raising awareness to students about the dangers um, of, of predators and pedophiles. So I actually believe that, you know, that's a good cause and, and there's got to be local causes everywhere. You know, Bloom Hill's another one. They're a local one. Um, and I'm only talking about the Sunshine Coast. I realise we have a worldwide audience. But perhaps you find your local one and you go and spend some time in that or um, donate money to that if you feel it's a worthy cause. That, that's to me, I, I'm not sure I want to create my own charity. I feel Kim, Karen and I, and, you know, the three of us, we, we do talks for free. Mm. You know, and, and by us doing talks for free, we do this for free. We don't get paid to do this. Mm-hmm. So in my way of thinking, we're giving our time and our expertise and people can take it or leave it. Mm. But it's, it's a charity. Don't you, don't you think it's what, whenever we give a talk for free, that's time away from our family, time away from our business, time away. I know we love doing this and we do love talking, I must admit, when everyone's <laughs> watching. <laughs> we need each other. We, each other yeah, yeah. we do really do it. But we, I think, you know, these are the ways to be charitable. You know, and I think if those people that ask us to speak for no, you know, I don't mind either. I'm very happy to give my time. 
um, I think what's lovely is when they really value that time of yours and your expertise. And I think it's wonderful. There's been a number of times where I haven't felt very valued. And I actually had to bring it back to, I only do this now for three charities a year because I just got inundated Mm -hmm. and I couldn't keep giving it. I, I just want to go back to the blood one just very quickly. Okay. They won't take my blood. I'm just asking. I, I lived in England when the foot and mouth uh, thing hit, yeah. but that was 20 years ago, and they still won't take my blood. I thought blood cells renewed themselves every couple of months, you know, every 28 days, and then every couple of months. Within one year, every cell in your body has completely changed. Why will they not take my blood? Because of the um, mad cow disease. Yeah, the mad cow. That's yeah, it. and it can lay dormant. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. Just saying. <laughs> 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 Should we get that tattooed on your forehead, mad cow? Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> Should we do that? There was two cows standing in a paddock. You ready for it? Oh, God. Oh, God. Go. There we was go. two cows standing in a paddock, and one cow says to the other, well, there's no way I'm going to get that mad cow disease. And the other one goes, what makes you so sure? And he goes, well, I'm a squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> You're a dang. <laughs> Sorry. I can't believe they won't take my blood. I gave blood mm-hmm. religiously all the time. They won't take mine either. They'll take my plasma. And the reason why they won't take my blood is that I've had malaria. Not that I knew I had malaria, but apparently I've... And they, and they wrote me a letter, a two-page letter, saying that they were now screening for malaria and, and I had the antibody. I, didn't, I thought it was a parasite, so I don't know how an antibody. But anyway, this is what it said, that I have an antibody for, for malaria and I would not be able to give blood anymore. But they would take my plasma. <laughs> so okay. you give plasma. No, they I don't won't know even if, take my, They won't even give you plasma. Take my plasma. Do you know, you know, you're asking other ways that as far as charities go and I have two people that I really admire with what they've done and one is Pam Warhurst and she's from um, a town in England called Toddenham I think or something like that Todd Morgan Todd Morden or something like that and it's near Manchester so for the English that are listening you'll know where I'm talking about three and a half four and a half years ago she um, wanted to know if the if she could get her community together again that was there a common language that cut across race and finance and money and and um, religion and everything like that? And she was sitting around her kitchen table with a couple of friends, and they decided food was the language. And what they did was that they started to build gardens in front of the medical centre, in front of the police station, but were edible gardens. Oh. And now this, this town, you know, four and a half years later, I think it's, we're at about four and a half years now when she started it, four and a half years later now is um, a place where people come from all over the world oh, wow. in order to understand how they can create an edible town. An edible town, yeah. And then it's gorgeous, isn't it? And then there's another guy in Los Angeles, and he's called the Gorilla Gardener. And he just rips up nature strips and throws down gardens, you know? You know, because he wanted, he felt the same thing as Pam Warhurst. He went, you know, like the streets are lined with McDonald's and Kentucky Fried Chicken, which are making our kids sick. What if we teach them how to create a garden? So even creating a community garden to me, is, is something that would just be wonderful, especially people out there that maybe have more time. Mm. And they find a strip and they say, let's create a community garden. And the councils will allow that? No, the council wanted to rip his stuff up. Yeah, right. You know? And, but Pam Warhurst... I was going to say, I can't see... I, I just yeah. I can't see a council being progressive <laughs> enough to go, yeah, sure. Well, I asked the council because in my street we have this huge yes. empty block of land yeah, that the right. council owns. And I rang the, I, I sent a letter to one of the council and I said, oh, can I um, create a community garden on this strip of land? Oh, you're asking the wrong person, ask this person. So then I asked that person and I got back, you're asking the wrong person, ask this person. Well, after two, I went, oh, forget it. <laughs> so I created a community garden in my own house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but do you see what I'm saying about them just being employees? Mm-hmm. They come in, they collect a wage, and they're not going to be the ones to say, yes, do it. Because if they do that, they're either going to get the sack or something, you know, like mm-hmm. it's all beca- going to set a precedent and then every other bug is going to want to create mm-hmm. a, you know, mm-hmm. can't have too many community gardens. <laughs> Hell no. Oh, God, no. We <laughs> might get healthy. Stop it. Oh, horrible. Can't have that because then no. where would the money go? Then there'd be no need for drugs. Then there there'd be go. no need for the diabetes, the, the jelly bag. Can I just ask one back to the jelly thing? You, you mentioned orange juice in there. Mm. Why can we not sell a bag of oranges? 
Well, it won't bring the sugar up fast enough. When they're in um, a, a really bad state of, yeah. of being so low in their sugar, it, it's very dangerous and they've got to bring it up fast and they've got to have something that's going to absorb. And the fastest thing to bring your sugar up is, is glucose. And the jelly babies, the first Would a um, teaspoon of rapid sugar do the same thing? No, because that's only about a GI 54. Glucose is 100. Yeah, you can get, we can, we don't have to put glucose with colours, preservatives, flavourings, wheat starches and things you like that. you just have a bag of glucose in your bag? We, we used to just no, have glucose, glucose tablets. You just used to have these glucose t- um, lollies. And what I'm doing now, and one of the things I'm doing is, and I'm actually researching and seeing if we can find something that is like the Jelly Baby, but is a better, better thing. But I, having said that, I kind of am also thinking, well, are they going to listen anyway? Am mm. I just wasting my time? So I've been talking to her. Um, I bet you there's people listening to this, though, that know someone that would love to hear what you were going to do. Mm. I bet people are willing to listen. I think, I think people are. Organisations less likely. Because the organisation, I mean, the organisation is just a building, but inside that building is a bunch of people who... But then, but then the and, either that, the, and it has members, and it was the members, not the organisation. It was the members that were having... Um, there you go. Because they want to defend themselves. Mm. They don't want to be seen as wrong. They want to be wrong. right. They want to, they want to be right that they are right. Mm. But if you can pre- present them with a viable option, if you can present them with something else that comes from a more educated standpoint and then, you know, be able to say, look, try it. And don't get yourself to that place in the first place. Don't mm. eat McDonald's and then think that you're going to be able to save yourself with a, mm. a shot of jelly babies, you know. Can, can I just ask one other question? Just before you do, yeah, better write it down. Write it down, here. yeah. If type one, like a lot of them said, you know, type one diabetes has got nothing to do with health. It's got everything to do with health. I, that's, that's my question. Was that your question? So my question yeah, is go. around: if we understood what was causing those real highs and lows, and if I had a condition like that, I would want to know mm. what I could do to stabilise it in the best possible yeah. way. So I didn't have those lows. So I had to. Now, I'm not saying it will work 100 percent of the time, but sure. And I'm sorry, I don't know enough about diabetes to understand this. But if you are a type one diabetic, what causes those massive spikes? By eating, oh, carbohydrates is the worst, but just by eating foods that don't stabilise your sugar level and, and not even worrying about the food you're eating. So many of the foods that are on the list today, like breakfast cereals and whole grains and things like that, are the worst thing for someone with type 1 diabetes because it will bring you a high. Mm. Even wheat. Wheat takes the blood glucose up so fast. It has a GI of 74 you know, it's 74. Whole grain has 74. But a carrot, has 69. a carrot has quite a high GI. Would a carrot have a problem? It wouldn't be as high as, as wheat. There's no way it would be as high as wheat. Date is 64. So all of these things we actually, yeah, actually, they're looking up carrot. The girls are looking up <laughs> carrot as we speak. We are onto it. So there are certain fruits that are low and there are... But the thing is to stabilise that sugar. And everybody does it differently. So Gabriel Cousin does it by a raw food diet, raw vegan diet. Wrong. Whereas I, I would like to see there are other diets out there that we can actually do. We have, um, I have a really good friend. Her son has type 1 diabetes. And he actually went to Gabriel Cousin's Tree of Life for three weeks. Changed his life. Oh, wow. Absolutely. But he says there is something that he takes every 30 Every day before a meal, or every time before a meal, 30 minutes before the meal, he takes um, a fibrous um, food. I haven't looked it up. I'm not going to talk about it until I know more about it. But he says he takes this and it keeps his blood sugar level. He says he's gone from taking um, like 70 as a count for his insulin down to five, (gasps) which is huge which is absolutely wow. huge. So he is actually stabilising his sugar as a result of the lessons he learned at the Tree of Life. And he's, he's bringing it back and he's having, you know, he's, I think he's been back a year and a year and a half now and he doesn't even bother looking at what conventional medicine is doing for him. He actually, you know, sits in here. And, yes, they've got to go to hospitals every now and then, but since he's been back from the Tree of Life, not one trip to the hospital. Just as a matter of interest, carrots are, um, have a glycemic index ranking of 47, plus or minus 16. Oh, wow. Um, so... And when you cook the carrots, they have a glycemic index of 39. 
And then the 100% carrot juice is a, has a glycemic index of 45. Interesting, huh? Well, I'm reading here that carrots. beer has a glycemic index of 110. <laughs> Yeah, you go. Oh, there you beer. go. So now we'll get rid of the jelly babies alcoholism. and just get sloshed. <laughs> Did you say that? Did you say that? <laughs> but, 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 Rewind. But, but take but, that out. But yeah. I'm looking here. If I knew that these certain foods, so a baked potato is 95 and a French fry is 95, would you not just avoid those foods in your diet? I've just read something else, and correct me if I'm wrong on this. By eating a high GI food with a low GI food can actually help average it out. Exactly. So mm. would you not learn this as a person that had this condition? Well, it would make the most amount of sense is to learn what foods affect your sugar. And you know how you can do it is that you can actually go to the chemist or the pharmacist. You can buy yourself a monitor. And the monitor, you prick your finger. And every time you eat, um, you prick your finger to see how high a certain food has raised your blood sugar. So if you're someone who doesn't have diabetes, it won't raise it very high. If you are someone with diabetes, it will raise it, you know, like quite a way. So as, as somebody with diabetes type 1 or type 2, you can actually monitor food and see how it can um, how it affects you as an individual because yeah, everybody's an individual yeah. it's about becoming and they do they, those guys prick their fingers all the time and they're always reading their blood and they're always checking their insulin and and they're always figuring out how much they need in order and if they eat something they figure out what they need and some of them have pumps and there's so many ways of do doing know, it do you know Taylor did a test two days ago with her dancing she came home to me and she goes, Mum, we need to make your chocolate slice. I need to take it in tonight because last night they were all given lollies and they went flipping fruit loops. <laughs> she went, they, not, they weren't listening to the teacher. They went, don't. So I'm going to take your chocolate slice in tonight and we're going to see what happens tonight. It was last night then. Then she came home and she goes, Mum, we need to write the recipe out. They were brilliant. Oh, they all listened. Mm. Now, this is a 15-year-old and I'm thinking, wow. A 15-year-old with a mother like you though. Big poor, difference. Poor girl. <laughs> no, big yeah. difference. Look at this. I'm looking at a baked potato. has an average of 111 wow. on a glycemic index. This is the thing that we need to realise, is that you can have a low anywhere and you need these food, right. you need something with you. So if you use the Jolly Baby as an emergency... You know, that one with all the chemicals in it and yeah. all, everything like that. If, but found one without all the additives, preserves and flavourings. And I know that they're out there. Well, what about yeah. having a little container of straight glucose? Can you do that? I, look, I, I would have to look up what's available, you know. But you don't need the colours in there. Oh, that's what I mean. Can't you I don't need the flavours. You don't need anything in there. And you, it has to, you know, get into the system fast. And Look, I think we've had you a bit can of a, do other things. Yeah, we've had a bit of a. This, this is probably a charities and diabetes conversation, really, because it's, it was triggered from the diabetic mm. association and what they were trying to create. But at the end of the day, is there a? Uh, so, so your stance on it, Cindy, is that you would not give to this um, charitable organisation. Uh, trying to find, are they trying to find a cure with cure. that money? The thing is, is that once the beta cells are gone from the pancreas, as far as science know, at this point, we can't generate them back again. But there is a scientist in Australia that has found, um, and I think it's called an anti-auto something, that he's figured that we can reverse... Um, if all the beta cells are not gone, then we can stop the body eating all the beta cells. Mm. So, you know, there's some wonderful research going out there, I've got to admit. But for the most part, it's about drugs. Am I wrong? Mm. Honey, from my memory, honey is quite high GI. Would you not carry a pot of honey with you? Remember, this is we need fast sugar, and we need. Is um, honey not fast? I don't no, know. I'd have know. to look it up. I, no, I don't. Not. I don't know the GI of everything. So, what is honey? Come on, um, here we go. I got it here. But we, I just want everybody to know that this is not medical advice. We are not advising on anything in this. In this, what we are doing is just discussing an issue. And I'm just so asking because I don't know. Yeah. And so, if you have type one diabetes, there's more to it than what we are talking about. There's more to what you're eating, how you figure it out, um, what insulin to give. So this is not... I want everybody to know this is not medical advice. We are just discussing an issue. But I, what I loved about it, this, this conversation started around a charity and their, and their values. 
and you see how and their ethics and their ethics, and you see how we've gone down a path of even inquiring and wanting to know more about mm. that charitable organisation. I think the thing I've taken from this for me personally is, if I don't know, you need to actually inquire. Mm. Or if you don't agree with it, see if... The, and that's the other thing I'll always say to people. If, it's easy to complain. Mm. It's easy to say what someone's doing wrong and what they should be doing. What I loved about your question out to your database was, what do you do? What other options are there? And, and I think I, I like people that try and come up with some other ways. But what Karen was saying, that the organisations might not want to hear it, well, I'm not going to rely on an organisation for my health. I'm going to rely on myself for my health. Your responsibility. My, it's my yes. responsibility. Mm. I think that's what it all comes back to with everything, really. Mm. I mean, for our health, we, I mean, we've been having these conversations since day one, mm. is that we can't rely on um, Woolies and we can't rely on our food manufacturers. We can't rely on anybody else to educate us about what's best for us. And I think even more so when there's life-threatening diseases at play, we've got to really dive in and do all of the research ourselves. It's not okay to to have a life-threatening illness afflicted upon you because it's not just about you. It becomes about your family and everybody that loves you too. And it's not okay to bury your head in the sand. I think one thing that I've gotten out of this whole thing as well for myself, Cindy, is that I donate 20% of my profits... Um, every year to a particular um, animal charity. And I every year that just comes straight out before I do my tax returns. And every month I just do, I throw a little extra $250 in a certain direction for some other little cute fluffy numbers. <laughs> because I originally wanted to go around the world and saving all the bears and, you know, doing all that. But, of course, I found out that I just couldn't do that because that would be soul-destroying for me. So I thought I would make money so I could pay for other people to do that. But what... What this conversation has done for me, actually, is that it's just brought me straight back to actually every area of my life, not just my health, but my money, because I give that money based on what I know of these organisations. But now I'm going to go and have a look at each of these organisations. I'm going to personally speak to them. I'm going to find out exactly how much of my 20% each year is actually making it to saving the bears and saving the orangutans and saving all of the animals and how much of my money is actually saving those cute little fluffy little numbers and if they can't answer those questions for me then I'm going to withdraw actually because my money my health is no less important to me or more important to me than my money I'm busting my freckle every year so that I can support these charities it's the reason I do what I do and I think mm. now I'm sitting here thinking to myself hang on a second mm. It's not just about Why my health. It's not just about my food. What it's about not just the Kim about and my health. Cindy care. charity. <laughs> maybe, maybe like that a, we'll take twenty percent. We could shop. We could look after. We could do, deck out her pantry. We, we'll look up, We'll be her health practitioners. Oh, okay. Bring that on. Actually, can we go and do my pantry again this afternoon? Nice. Ooh, let's that would go. be nice. I, I need a refresh. You will. Okay. Anywho. <laughs> Guys, we hope that this, this podcast has actually in, uh, caused you to do a bit of inquiry. Um, it's certainly left me quite contemplative, and, and, and I've maybe been a little bit quieter than my usual self in this podcast, I've noticed, but I've been very contemplative because I can see the weight and the significance of what you're talking about, Cindy, and, and the very fact that you've had such an adverse response means there's necessity Mm-hmm. We only ever go for um, adverse responses and big responses when there's necessity. As humans, we only ever learn through contrast. We never, never learn through light. We only ever learn through the contrast of dark and then to light. And through the darkness that we live our lives, thank God there's you to shed the light. So... And thank you for talking with me because it's really, like I said to you at the beginning of this, my heart was beating. Oh. It beats every time I look at the comments because I kind of go, you know, I, in one regard I go, well, did I say the wrong thing? Why was it like this? So, I, you know, like for me... It, so it, we can thank those negative yeah. Nazis 
for showing us the contrast yeah. because it's only mm. when we when we you're right when yeah, we, when we, we can have, thank them can't mm. we oh i feel better now mm. i can yeah. thank them for mm. that and mm. every time because cindy you are always going to be at the forefront of change as are you kim and so mm. am i exactly and unless there are people like us that are prepared to stand for mm. uh, expansion in and, and harmony with all of life unless there are people who are prepared to stand for that then the world lands up in a place of, of, of status quo based on what we're conditioned with. Mm. And we all know that that's, mm. not, that, that's not where um, longevity and sustainability lives. And you know what? If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for everything. That's mm. exactly right. Mm. That's so that. beautiful. Mm. Mm. On that, we're mm. going to sign off. <laughs> we would love to have your comments. We would love to hear from you. Jump onto our Facebook page, which is all the w's.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat. And we're going to be on there this afternoon checking out your comments and we're going to be on there daily. So Cindy is still sucking back the immune boost. <laughs> I just happen to be looking up from my notes and there she is with my 28 aromatherapy oil shoved right up her nose. You can also join us on the wellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat where we would love to hear from you we want to hear what your experiences are who do you donate to who do you commit who do you commit your funds to and what are you going to do now to educate yourself so that you can make sure that your money is actually going to the people that need it and that your charity is acting ethically um what are you going to do about that so let us know and join us next week on up for a chat and be part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. See you on the ride. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Hi, Dr. Brett Hill from The Wellness Guys here. Imagine having six internationally renowned health and well-being specialists all to yourself for three whole days. Imagine a beautiful tropical location away from the rat race where you can fully immerse yourself in creating a new you. Imagine personalised one-on-one attention to help you break through to the next level. Join the three Up For A Chat girls, Kim Morrison, Cindy Amira and Karen Smith and the three wellness guys, Dr Lawrence Tam, Dr Damien Christoph, and myself for the BFO Wellness Retreat at the luxurious Western Resort and Spa in Fiji and make your health a priority. For more information, go to thewellnesscouch.com and click on shop. We can't wait to see you there.